Welcome to episode 71 of Stage Worthy. I'm your host, Phil Rickaby. Stage Worthy is a podcast featuring conversations in Canadian theatre with actors, directors, playwrights, and more. If you want to drop me a line, you can find Stage Worthy on Facebook and Twitter at StageWorthyPod, and you can find the website at StageWorthyPodcast.com. If you like the podcast, I hope you'll consider leaving a comment or rating on iTunes or Google Music or whatever podcast app you use. Ratings and comments help people find the show. My guest this week is Rosamund Small. Rosamund is a Toronto-based playwright and a member of the 2016-2018 Soul Pepper Academy. Rosamund's Dora Mavermore award-winning play Vitals has just been released in paperback, and you can find it on Amazon.ca and Chapters.Indigo.ca. I guess start with where I usually start with people, and that's um, where did you start with theater? Like, what was your what brought you into that that this world? Um, <clears throat> that's hard for me because it is really a part of my um, like the love of it, the love of, of theater and all sorts of uh, performance is a childhood thing. Um, my parents brought me to. Um, musicals, children's shows, uh, comedy. Mm. Like um, I have a couple of really good memories of the Shaw Festival in Stratford mm. and Noel Coward and Oscar Wilde. Like really, really, really like the, like the, you know for kids, I think they they really get comedy, mm-hmm. even if it doesn't yeah. make sen- even if it doesn't it doesn't make sense that they would get it. You know, comedy right. that's from a different time or something. But if it's something's truly funny, like kids. I don't know. I loved that stuff. <laughs> well, I mean, on on that front, like I remember watching Bugs Bunny cartoons when I mm. was a kid. Yeah. And growing up, realizing that all that humor is way over was way yeah. over my head. But yeah. I still thought it was funny. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Do you remember what your like? Do you have a memory of what your earliest theater exposure was? Um, I I don't know if I could put them in perfect chronological order. There was. One very terrifying memory that I laugh about a lot now, which was my um, my elementary school, the parents would put on a show, and my parents weren't in it, but all these other parents were, and it was Dracula, and I was in kindergarten, and it was terrifying, <laughs> and I have a really strong memory of that. Do you remember which, which Dracula script they were using? Oh, I don't know. I no? think probably the principal of the school mm. wrote his own. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but it was really scary. And, um, yeah, I have a few memories that are not... Like, when you're really small, you, you tend to remember the really scary stuff. So mm. I remember that. I remember seeing Beauty and the Beast when I was, like, maybe three or four. Mm. And just crying and crying, <laughs> and crying. Like, It was just too big. Um, but they're really, like, powerful memories. Mm. Like, really, yeah. really, really powerful memories, yeah. So you were exposed to, to a lot of theater quite young. Um, mm-hmm. When did it become a thing that you... Because some people just they are exposed really young and they continue to be spectators. But yeah, um, do you remember when it was that you decided that you wanted to make it? Well, I should this. Um, this isn't sad. <laughs> um, um, I. Hmm, 
I think I went through a phase of wanting to direct movies. Mm-hmm. I think I just really liked movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I never really wanted to be an actor. Um, I just kind of wanted to be, you know, a bit... I'm, I have a bossy streak, so I was really... Uh, I was like, director? Like, mm-hmm. the boss, you know? Um, and then in high school, I went to Rosedale, which is a phenomenal arts high school in Toronto that doesn't... Um, they, they do this great thing where you don't have to choose exactly what you're going to do and what you're going to study mm-hmm. at 14. You can try different things. So I did um, dance and drama and, and media. And then there was a opportunity to write and direct a play and so I was like okay I'll write it and then I'll get to direct it (laughs) um and the writing of it was kind of very secondary but then the next year I was like I'll do it again um and then the the that second time I'd done it I wrote it and my friend directed it and that was way better like just to focus on that script Mm -hmm. and to get that kind of hands-off sense of um uh it's it's a sense of control but also a really interesting arm's length experience mm-hmm. to to write it and not direct it and and I remember that one going up and and that one was better that one was better than the year before and people liked it yeah. and that felt really good <laughs> did you I mean when you were realizing that you were figuring that you were going to let somebody else direct it did mm-hmm. you have like any kind of did that bossy streak that you mentioned like resist letting somebody <laughs> else control your baby or or, or were you like e- did you find it easier to let it go? Um, I'm sure that it did. Like, I, I remember having, like, very intense conversations with the director about the choices, right? We were in grade 11 and 12 and, like, took ourselves, you know, our work really, really, really seriously, mm-hmm. which now seems funny. But then again, I think five years from now, it'll be funny that I take my own work seriously now. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, I'm sure I still had really specific ideas about how things should be done and mm-hmm. really, really, really specific ideas and about casting and stuff but also seeing what happens when you go away and come back and a bunch of really creative people have worked is Mm. um yeah there's a sense of like gratitude and kind of surprise that can be Mm. so fun yeah so you never you never wanted to perform your stuff you were fine you were like you really wanted to be sort of like either in the background either the the boss or the the creator. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Perform stuff. I'd be like under my under my seat in the back <laughs> row. Like, <laughs> did you? Did were you always a shy person, um, or was it just like the idea of like being in front of people that you were uh, shying away from? Um, I don't know if I'm. I never used to think of myself as a shy person. Mm. I think it's just in theater. I'm I'm shy for a person in theater. But that's like, you know, crazy clown for, you know, office culture or something, yeah. right? Um, I think it depends. You know, at some dinner parties, I feel like the conservative librarian in the corner. And then I have dinner with my friends from kindergarten and they're all teachers and scientists. And my life is like this bohemian <laughs> fantasy, you know, mm-hmm. like they just, uh, you know, I, I'm a mile a minute to yeah. them, you know. So, yeah. <laughs> Do you, I mean... I mean, it's funny that you say that, you know, there's some, you know, all the outgoing people in theater. Mm. Most of the people that I've spoken to identify themselves as introverts. So mm. it's like this strange thing that we imagine that all of the people in theater are completely outgoing mm. and really just, you know, would like to be home with a book or something, like not in a yeah. crowd of people. 
Which yeah. is like crazy because I don't know about you. Like if I go to an opening, mm-hmm. um, I'm out. The show's totally. over. I'm, I'm gone. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I'm the the whole schmooze thing. I'm yeah. not really into. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. I find that more and more as mm. as time goes by. Was there a period where you were like doing the like sticking around after the opening and, and uh, <laughs> talking with people and schmoozing? Not effectively. <laughs> I mean, if that was yeah, if that was the goal. I mean, I I mean. You have friends in 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 the world, right? So mm-hmm. it's uh, there's loads of people uh, that I'm happy to to talk to, but mm. anything, yeah, I think it's like anything. It's selective. I mean, um, I'm in the the Soul Pepper Academy right now, which is 16 artists, and we're all kind of thrown together mm. um, for you know six days a week, most weeks. And so when I'm there, you know, people will run up to you hug you, kiss you on the cheek, and then, you know, say something in a goofy voice. And, like, that's just kind of the energy, because mm-hmm. everyone's, like, in theater school, and there's a real right kind of sense of, um, you know, stir-craziness and, and and camaraderie and and boredom that needs to be shown in these big gestures, you know, from, from such a long day. And then uh, and then I go home, and I'm, I'm done. You know? yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. <laughs> I, you know, we were talking about how I, I travel from a day job sometimes, mm-hmm. You know, I'm at an event, so I'm dealing with people all the time. And then the organizer will be like, let's go out for a drink after. And I'm like, I'm just going back. And I'm just going to sleep. Totally. I'm done. Fred. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can only take so much of, of that. Um, yeah. Just to... Uh, you, so after this this thing that you wrote in high school and let yeah. somebody else direct, was there a, a point where you realized that this was something you were going to do with your life? Yeah. Really soon then, mm. really. I... Um, and I have doubted it and changed my mind and, and tried, you know, thinking about other lives over and over again and, and still do. But absolutely. Um, uh, one, it was it was just an absolutely extraordinary feeling. Every memory I have of writing something and then having someone read it or perform it is so intense. Mm. Like, that's so intimate to me. Like, um, it's funny because I've never... Um, I haven't had... Uh, my, my long-term relationship is with someone who's not in theater, but I so understand, and I've I've never experienced it. But the idea of falling in love with an actor in your play or mm-hmm. something like that, because yeah. it's it's so exciting, yeah. right? It's so yeah. exciting, and when someone gets it, you're like, you get it, you get me, and it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when you can extrapolate that to an audience, um, yeah, it's so cool. I mean, I hope I hope I never. Uh, you know, I, I relearned that over and over. So that that feeling, and then that was also that feeling of joy and excitement from writing and and writing for theater, and then uh, and then that coupled with it was really encouraged. I had drama teachers who really encouraged me. My parents really encouraged me. Um, it's not something that I think many teenagers. It doesn't occur to you to do it, right? And no. I just happened to be in kind of a weird uh, bubble. <laughs> it's it's because it's un- most people that I know who they're thinking about about writing. Oh, they don't think I'm going to write plays. They're like, mm. I'm going to write my novel. I'm going to do yeah. this. I'm going to go yeah. to journalism. I'm going to be the next Neil Gaiman or whatever it is they're going to be. Yeah. And most people don't think, I'm going to write plays. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be the next George Bernard Shaw or something. Yeah. Or whatever it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, is it? Do you think it's because of that young theater background that you had from so young that your brain went towards theater more than another uh, uh, genre? 
Yeah, there's definitely that. But I mean, you could also say I, I have great memories of watching movies. I have great memories of reading books. So I think it's a lot to do with the camaraderie of doing doing it live and and theater so low tech. Uh, mm-hmm. At least at least the stuff that I, that I would do when I was young and 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 the uh, the kind of fear and nerves of the audience, all of that. Like that's the the magic of it. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I still try to, I experiment with other forms. I've never really taken anything else to, never tried to take it to sort of a, outside of um, an experimental mm-hmm. phase. But, um, but yeah, I, d- I don't know if it's, ab- it's about what this form is, but just the, the, the process of it. We all know, I think, mm-hmm. when you do it, it's so fun. And, mm-hmm. and the danger of it, I think, is it's so fun to do that it, you can forget it's not really supposed to be about you. <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, That's true. I, I find, anyway. Mm-hmm. Do, do you... Can you? I mean, there's so many things about 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 writing for theater that are exciting and dangerous. For me, when I'm writing for theater, it's the fact that I'm constrained. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can't write the way that you would for a movie or a novel. Yeah, there's like a finite space, finite number of actors, and mm-hmm. a, really a finite number of scene changes that I could have. There's like so many constraints, and I actually find that liberating. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Are there things about theater and writing for theater that really that really excite you about about the form? Yeah, I think it's so dialogue driven. Mm. That's what I love. Um, I'm not a very visual person, mm. really. Um, I mean, I love beautiful things and I love visual storytelling, but it's hard for me. My brain never goes to a visual place. Um, so theater is traditionally not necessarily mm-hmm. but traditionally the sort of 20th century western theater is mm-hmm. all about dialogue it's mm-hmm. about um yeah not not necessarily i think not necessarily quippy things or clever things but rhythmic things and and writing something in a way where you repeat exactly the right words so that you you can catch the meaning the first time someone mm-hmm. says it and and phrasing a, a a sentence so that it's uh you, you try to make it just just floppy enough because the, the the character is trying to get something across but they're not they're human so they can't mm-hmm. quite you know mm-hmm. that kind of thing that's 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 um you can do it in film but i think film is more visual and and yeah. it's harder to yeah. focus on that yeah i know <clears throat> when i know people who if they see a, a movie that obviously came from a play They'll complain about it after. Mm-hmm. So talky. There's so much dialogue. It's mm-hmm. like, well, it's this thing, and yeah. they don't want so much talking, which for me is like, it's kind of boring. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I love the excitement of dialogue. Yeah. Um. Do you have a Do you have a process for writing, or is everything different? Is there like when you're starting out with a project? Uh, is there a path that that project takes for you, from beginning to end, or at least the writing process? Mm, despair and then uh fear Mm -hmm. and then you know a little pep talk and then um yeah I think I used to think I would settle on a process Mm. and then that would be the process Mm -hmm. um and then and then I I kind of realized that that's not quite how it it, it's always going to be different Mm. so generally I just start wherever I can start and go Mm -hmm. I don't I didn't used to plan a lot at all um this i'm writing something right now that because it's an adaptation Mm -hmm. that's almost like a plan because Mm -hmm. at least you're planning to stick to the thing you're adapting yeah 
Um, but I don't, I know some people are so methodical about it, you know, uh, you know, one page outline, 10 page treatment breakdown, mm. you know, but I've never, ever stuck to that. I don't think I've ever gotten past the first try at the first outline. I've tried it. I've Have tried you? It. Yeah. I've yeah. been wholly unsuccessful with it every time I've tried it. Yeah. It's hard, eh? Uh, I, I know people that that, that works so mm-hmm. well for them. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I start to do that, I f- feel like something tugging. Mm. It's like, I don't know if it's like the character or the idea that is just like trying to be more than just what's on the paper. Yeah. I end up just having to let it go and be whatever it's going to be. Yeah. And fix it later. Totally. Yeah. So much fixing. Yeah. yeah. Well, that was like one of the, like, I spent like so many years hating everything I wrote because it wasn't perfect on the first draft. <laughs> so I'd be like, this is garbage. And yeah. it took me so long to learn that that's the point yeah. of the first draft. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you, you make it better subsequently. Yeah. And that was a hard one to learn. Mm-hmm. Did you have some, like, did you figure something like that out early on or did that take a long time to, to figure out? I'm so hesitant to ever say like, oh, well, I figured this out. <laughs> I know that the next time I'm faced with something that's not what I want it to be, mm-hmm. I will spiral into, you know, I find myself sometimes like two o'clock in the morning, I've tried to write something and or I've reread something I thought mm-hmm. was great from yesterday and it's awful. And I'm like online looking at things like, you know, like, oh, well, I could move to Poland, you know, like, <laughs> like <laughs> it looks that's what a different life that would be like it just like mm-hmm. um i yeah i don't know i i i've certainly i've certainly been defeated and come back enough mm-hmm. that i don't i don't feel the same level of despair but i've also abandoned mm-hmm. projects and not been sure if that was the right decision mm-hmm. but i just did i think we've all done that anyway. yeah right has, has done that yeah and then you come back to it later and it's like it's just not there anymore yeah yeah. Elizabeth Gilbert tells a story about like this novel that she was going to write after E Pray Love mm. and she sort of like started it and then gave it up. Mm-hmm. And then she went back to write it and it just wasn't there. But it turns out that she met a- another writer who was basically writing that novel. It's like the idea went from her to somebody else. <laughs> but it was like the like you have this finite period of time when the idea is is flowing and yeah. if you miss that window by giving up on it, you, it's hard to get it back again. Yeah, there is something in an impulse, right? Like mm-hmm. something is, something's getting at your, you know, I mean, unless it's something that you're trying to crank out, like, okay, it's a commission, I better get excited yeah. about something, you know, mm-hmm. um, which, which eventually you want to get to that place where it's, where it's just as exciting. But yeah. the stuff you come up with on your own, there is something um, in, okay, what was the first thing that made me want to write this? Mm. And that's helped me a couple times of, um, you know, they're really simple things. They're not deep ideas, but, um, my show vitals, which is about a paramedic every once in a while, just being like, okay, why did I want to write this show about a paramedic? Mm. It's because that's a hell of a job, you know, Mm. like they're really like really, really simple, shallow things. Mm -hmm. But you know, it, it, when I didn't know how to end the show, it would be like the paramedic doesn't need to get hit you know, get pregnant or get cancer mm. or, cause that's not what the play, the play's about what a hell of a job, you yeah. know, like yeah. that kind of thing. Was, I mean, the idea of, of like letting it end in the way that it finally did not like with a pregnancy or cancer mm. or whatever, was that, did you feel initially like you had to do something like that to end it? And 
eventually decide that it could just end? Yeah. Or, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's hard. I mean, it's a few years ago now, but I definitely remember with that play specifically, because it's a one-woman show, and it's about all these traumas, kind of these... Well, this desperation to end my first draft, first of all, was like, oh, like, because <laughs> it was so amazing that, that the director and producer of it had said, I want to direct this. I want to produce this before I'd finished my first draft. And that's like, yes. And then immediately it was like, oh, my God, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I got to get an ending, you know, yeah. um, and bless him that he didn't read any of them and change his mind, you know, because <laughs> um, he could have. Uh, but yeah, the the need to. I mean, every every writer knows this, but I think especially in a one-person show, the sort of weird need to top itself, mm. um, it, it's really tempting to go to cliche places. Well, because cliches are appealing for a reason, right? Like, a pregnancy is not actually not interesting. Uh-huh. It's just nothing to do with what the play was about. Yeah. And so that's why it's a go-to. But of course, a pregnancy is incredibly interesting if it's from a play about that. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, loads of, not even not even drafts that I wrote, but just ideas about... Um, something painful needs to happen and therefore it will be fascinating. Mm. And that's a really, a really tempting trope. And I say that, it's funny, it's ironic that I'm saying this because of course the ending of Vitals is very painful. It's full of pain. <laughs> it's, it's not as though I found some great light, light uh, twist and turn, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, it's a play about a paramedic. Mm-hmm. There's probably going to be some heavy stuff in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious about, I mean, a lot of people go to the point they go and they write a one person show so that they can perform it Mm -hmm. as somebody who's not a performer Mm -hmm. um what was the draw of the one person show for you for vitals which i'd never written one before that and i haven't revisited the form really since um i just started writing this voice and i'd met this woman who was a medic and i'd read about medics um no other character presented themselves. Mm. And I think in the end, that plays about loneliness. Mm. And, I mean, what, uh, what an, automatic, uh, an automatic metaphor for loneliness, right? Yeah. To be the only character in the play. Yeah. And you know pretty quickly into the story that it's a one-woman show, which is, in a way, static, which mm. can be really dangerous for those shows. But also you know that no one else is going to come and help her, right? There's nobody else in the show. Mm. <laughs> so there's a metatheatrical element of um, of her being absolutely alone. Mm-hmm. And and uh, and so that, yeah, that show really needed to be only her, mm. right? It wouldn't, it wouldn't be right to have somebody else in it because mm. um, there's nobody else in her life. Uh, yeah. And I've, I, I was given a one-person show as an assignment to write for myself, and I wrote something for me to perform mm. uh, at Soul Pepper, and uh, and that was really hard because I was writing for me to be me in the show, and it was much more of a, mm. you know, much more of an exercise in in solo show. As, but Vitals is more like just a play that doesn't happen to have anybody else in it, you know. Yeah. When you were given the assignment to write for yourself, was the assignment to write in your voice? Mm. Like, not as a character, just to be very honest about something that happened to you? Was it, like, yeah. supposed to be autobiographical? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
I've written autobiographical stuff, but you would have yeah. to like d- dig so deep through the layers of it to find the autobiographical stuff, and people right. who know me can find it. Right. But I've never, I've never really the idea of like being like, this is what happened to me. Just sort of like, there's something that just makes yeah. me as a like just sort of hits me in a very uncomfortable spot. Yeah. As a performer. Well, it's that thing of it's you talking about yourself. Yeah. And like, of course, we'd love to talk about ourselves, but not not too much and not right now and not to you, you know, like, uh, or like, I love to talk about myself, but only to someone I know will validate me back Mm -hmm. and an audience. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe not. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. It's so terrifying. Like, and so did, who were you performing that for? Like other members of the Academy or did you Mm -hmm. perform it for like the public? No, no, it was closed. So there's probably maybe 60 people, but, um, yeah, sort of invite invite based basically. Mm. It's a very friendly crowd, um, but but still, just I I lost my mind. Like the week before, I was just like, uh, I remember my wonderful mentor there was stopped me in the middle of a kind of run through. I can't remember what he was going to say, but it just threw me so much. And he, it was really nice. Like he was supposed to, he was, you know, he was helping me. He was being sort of an outside eye director presence. And I was like, I can't, can't fucking start again. Like I just like, you know, and I, 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 I didn't, you know, have a tantrum, but I it was, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't have tantrums, you know, I don't, I, I'm not a, you know, like, but that part of you that's like, can't you see that I'm absolutely in crisis trying yeah. to read my 20 minute play? Like it's ridiculous. Yeah. How was it performing that? It was actually great. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really, I don't know why, but my nerves really disappeared uh, about the day before. Oh, the day before. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, it's That's weird, good. eh? I performed my first solo show this past summer yeah. in Hamilton, oh, and cool. I was fine up until the day of. Yeah. And that's the day I was like, this is the day I vomit. <laughs> this is the day I just, like, vomit everywhere before I do this thing. Did you convince yourself you were dying? Uh, I didn't convince myself I was dying, <laughs> but I thought that... Well, I, I just, I remember crossing the street thinking if a bus hit me right now, it might be better than doing my show. It was right? just like, yeah. it was so terrifying. You're like, well, they up. can't make me if, I'm like, if I'm, de- yeah, yeah, like, if I need to go to the hospital, <laughs> then, you know, too bad. You know, money yeah. back. Like, it's. <laughs> yeah. No. It just, it's, it's so, your your nerves went away the day before and you were able yeah. to perform it. And, yeah. And, yeah. And not being a performer, how did, like, somebody who, like, purposefully did not want to be an actor, mm. um, how was it having to perform that? I mean, when I say acting, kind mm-hmm. of off the cuff, what I generally mean is disappearing into text, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. What I mean is a, a kind of, yeah, as I said about dialogue, sort of 20th century Western idea of you're going to be on stage and pretend that I'm not here and mm-hmm. have this conversation as though it's really happening. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, you know, up there by myself, uh, kind of doing a bit of a clownish kind of, not not clown, but a bit of a, I'm going to be really, 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 really serious and tell you this really, really, really funny story. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and uh, all the house lights were up, and I just mm. kind of looked and, and did all this eye contact with the audience. And that is really more... It is performance, but it's it's so not disappearing into text. Mm. It's almost like I felt like I was standing up there challenging people mm. 
to, it was almost like challenging people to look away. Like you can't mm. look away from this situation because yeah. I'm looking right at you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's always interesting when you do that to somebody who's a, who's a, like in theater. Yeah. Because they because they won't look away. Right. They yeah. Feel like they have to give you something. Yeah. Yeah. Back. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. look at some. If you do that to somebody who's not in theater, they will immediately be like, "Huh." Yeah. Lighting grid. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Um. It's it, it's interesting. Um. Because I always I found through doing my own piece mm. that um. The only way to, for me to do that was to treat the audience as my scene partner. Mm. That I needed them there. Yeah. Um, which is a, a fun thing to explore. Yeah. Um, what is there something that you learned in in through this exercise that you can think of? Um, I, it's funny to learn. Um, yeah, the nerves disappearing was interesting mm. because I was so nervous. I was truly nervous. And then I think something inside me was like, oh, it's almost over. Mm. Right? You know? And then suddenly I was like, oh, I'll probably still be alive after that. You know? Like, <laughs> it's so, some animalistic part of you mm. is so afraid. There's that. And then there was also in rehearsal, I rehearsed it for, I, had, I didn't have a director, but I had a designer and I had a mentor. Um, uh, and in rehearsal with them, I was doing it sort of laughing at myself while I was doing it. And then, uh, cause they're just funny and you know, it's not a really, it's not a deeply confessional piece. It's not, mm. it's not extremely serious. It's a lot of silly anecdotes about being a kid and playing dress up and being disappointed, you know, that kind of thing. Mm. Um, uh, but then as soon as I got in front of people, I just was like, oh, that's not going to work. And I had to be so... I, and I suddenly took my own stories much more seriously. Like something... That happened when you showed it to your mentor and the designer? No. So when I was doing it for... When I was doing it in rehearsal, I was mm. laughing off the things I was okay. saying. I was laughing with them. Mm. And as soon as I was in front of 60 people, mm. they were laughing. And I was like, oh, no, I need to really, really take this really seriously. Mm. And so it was quite a different performance than I'd rehearsed. Mm. Where I didn't laugh at my own jokes at all. And the audience laughed much more than than my rehearsal audience so something something about that group of people it was more um yeah it was more akin to stand-up and i know some stand-ups laugh at their own jokes mm -hmm. but mostly in stand-up they take the anecdotes they're telling very very seriously mm -hmm. and that's what's funny yeah and that just kind of happened on stage in that moment so you know, it's just funny to yeah. experience that. Yeah, it's the Buster Keaton effect too. Yeah, it? because you know, whenever, whenever he did, everybody calls him the stone face. He, but he would smile. Hmm. But it was always funnier when he didn't. Yeah, you know? like yeah. if he didn't have an expression on his face and was very serious, it was always funnier than when he smiled or laughed. Yeah. Um, what is that? Eh, yeah. that's well, so funny. I don't even. I don't know what it is, but there's something. I think. It might be it might be rooted in Schadenfreude, like the, <laughs> that whole idea that you know if it's happening to you, I feel better, sort right. of thing. And yeah. if, if they're not, if they don't react like it's funny, then mm. we, I think we feel it a little bit more. Yeah, it might be something like that. Yeah, but I don't know. Yeah. Um, I want to jump back just for a second about uh, the writing. Did did you? Uh, from high school, did you study some playwriting somewhere? Did you go to to uh, theater school or writing uh, course anywhere? 
Yeah, I did um, a year at the University of Guelph and took a class with Judith Thompson. And then I transferred to University of Toronto and I did a couple of years of class with Janet Sears. Mm-hmm. Um, both amazing writers and just incredible, smart, interesting women. Um, uh, and Janet particularly stayed in, and, 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 oh, for years, just out of the goodness of her heart, read drafts and mm-hmm. helped me with stuff. And she did this incredible thing that I don't think you're allowed to do anymore where she... I think she called it an independent study and I just kind of show her drafts of a play and then mm. she gave me like a 98% and that was one of my fourth year courses, <laughs> which is probably the only reason I ended up with a decent average. Um, but yeah, I did. I took some of those formal classes, but uh, and uh, but a lot of uh, structural things, sort of more, those, those classes were very free and very... Mm. Um, uh, you know, especially when they when the teachers trust you. Generally, they're quite free. So uh, a lot about authenticity and honesty, and, and just thinking about what the play's about. And then mm. um, now I'm in this program at Soul Pepper, which is sort of a combination of school and and work. And that has been great because there's access to a lot of structure, mm. which I do understand why people resist traditional structure. But I think learning it can can help you. It can help you. Um, learning a three-act structure, learning, you know, mm-hmm. I, we took an adaptation matter, master class mm. um, and and learn just just things that you're doing without realizing it um, anyway yeah. about twists and turns and three acts and that kind of thing. So it's, the previous stuff has not been focused on structure and Soul Pepper has given you sort of the grounding? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not all they do, but it's mm-hmm. just been something that I've never had before right. that is available. There's... Um, Guillermo Verdecchia, who's the mentor that I've mentioned before, he's he's just so, so, so perceptive about uh, just events and order and, and action and that kind of thing. Mm. He's so clued into those things and also clued into different ways of doing it. So he understands, for example, that a three-act structure in a screenplay is just one kind of structure mm. and there's a different kind of structure from a different culture and a different right. kind of structure from a different century. And so having access to that perspective is is awesome and been very new for me. Do you, how did you find yourself when you were working with the structures, uh, uh, resistant to it? Cause it can be difficult. Like when you're forced to do something new, that's unfamiliar, mm. it can be difficult to like, just sort of go with it. Yeah. Did you find yourself pushing against it, against it? Um, I haven't, I haven't been given assignments that have to stick exactly mm. to anything. It's more just the resources. Mm. Um, like uh, like taking you know a, a couple of classes on adaptation from someone who's done ten adaptations. Oh, uh-huh. uh, uh, Michael O'Brien was his name, right. uh, and and just having access to what he does. So I haven't I haven't been. No one's forced me to do it to do anything in any particular mm-hmm. way. But it actually felt so freeing to have someone say, you know, this is so about a third of the way through. There's a big twist and turn, and mm-hmm. then by halfway through, you can't turn back and. You right. know that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And has that been has that been like new for you to have people like suggesting these sorts of things? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's funny. It's not been a part of that. That formality has not has not been a part of, of the way I've worked before. I've had tons of notes and tons of dramaturgy, but just that mm-hmm. particular um, thing that is so common in film, mm-hmm. I don't think is so enforced in theater. And I think that's really great. But it's been cool to learn it at mm. least. Yeah. 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 yeah, it's been it's it's interesting to to, to think of. I'm I'm I've read it a lot mm. in like you know 
uh, during a, uh, every so often I'll be like, I must read all of the, the writing books I can. <laughs> right, yeah. As, which is really my way of not writing. But yeah. Like feeling like I'm doing something. So yeah. I go out and I'll buy like all of the writing books and I'll yeah. read all the writing books and right. I feel like I'm productive. Right. And then, um, but I'll, uh, once I start to try to put like the the three act structure that's being talked about mm-hmm. into practice, I, I always, I'm always like, I can't. I do like yeah. this little tantrum yeah. internally. It's, it's it sounds so easy, but it's so hard. Mm. I feel like reading a screenplay book, people must think they can write a screenplay, and then they don't. But if you try, you realize it's so much harder than yeah. it sounds in the yeah. book. <laughs> the book always makes it sound easy. And that's right? That's why they're selling the book. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. That's why people buy it. Yeah. Or like a, uh, Saving the Cat or whatever, Save the Cat. Right. There's a book that everybody always recommends, and I've never purchased because I feel like it's just another one of those books that's going to make it sound like it's really easy to write a yeah. screenplay and yeah. it's not easy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, you've gone a step ahead of me because I don't think I've ever finished one. They're on my they're on my bookshelf. Oh, I mean, there's a bunch I haven't finished because eventually I say, you know, I'm just ex- it's just an excuse not to do this stuff. Totally, yeah. Um, in terms of, uh, when you joined the, the Soul Pepper Academy, hmm. um, was there something that you were hoping to get out of the experience? I feel like I've I've mentioned a lot of it. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. a lot of um, interest in adaptation. That's mm-hmm. huge. And a lot of what they do, because they do have this mandate to be somewhat grounded in a classical canon. Mm-hmm. So when they do new work, it's, it's often, um, I think Albert Schultz explained it to us once. His way of looking at it is, is you look at what's come before and then you look forward with that mm-hmm. knowledge, mm-hmm. which is such a beautiful way of thinking of it. So they really have this, they're they're interested in being in in dialogue with the Western canon. So mm-hmm. the Greeks and Shakespeare and all the way through to the 20th century, um, they're interested in finding new ways to be mm-hmm. connected with those works and connected with other, uh, you know, other forms of literature and art and politics. Mm-hmm. So um, I just saw their production of Of Human Bondage, which I think is so amazing. Mm-hmm. And that's a very, very new adaptation staged in this incredible way with the ensemble making all the sounds and the shapes of the story Mm. but it's actually a 19th century british novel Mm. (laughs) right Mm. um yeah so learning that kind of that kind of work um was of of interest to me uh but also a huge departure for me because Mm -hmm. i've done um and and so happy to continue also to do really new work really really contemporary work really out of nothing, original stuff and mm-hmm. and immersive stuff inside specific stuff. Um, yeah, it wasn't out of a wish to stop doing that, but just kind mm-hmm. of to expand the arsenal as much as possible. Yeah. yeah. Was was Vitals, Vitals was originally a site specific? Yeah. 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 Um, was it was that your initial intent to do it site specific, or did that it become that? It was always going to be site specific. I think. But I hadn't thought a lot about what that meant. I'd seen a play called Mr. Marmalade, mm-hmm. which is an American play, but outside the march, uh, which is a company I've worked with a lot, did a production of it that Mitchell Cushman directed, and it was so awesome. Oh, my God. Like, oh, you know when you think of a show that you just loved? Like, I just, yeah, yeah. I think of it and I just kind of get really excited because it was just so cool. It was... Um, uh, set in a kindergarten classroom and the audience was kind of following the characters through this kindergarten classroom and everything sort of weirdly miniature and it was so eerie and beautiful 
and and I think just do, just seeing that show, I think it was my first site specific show, mm. made me want to do something like that. And then because the show was about a paramedic, and it was so contemporary and so Toronto, it felt really natural that it be out and about kind mm-hmm. of. Yeah. The very first drafts of the script would say this play can be anywhere, but it needs to be in Toronto outside, or it needs to be something like that. Um, mm-hmm. Or in a big city, you know, somewhere. And I think my original idea was it's going to be so low-key, it's going to be a one-person show that you can do anywhere. Mm, Like, we can do it in a house, we can do it in a bank, we can do it in a cafe. Mm -hmm. Um, Which is really ironic because it did become a site-specific show, but a very non-portable, like, expensive, difficult, Mm. very specific to one (laughs) location show uh, with, like you know 12 other people kind of doing silent stuff around an ambulance and a dog and like i don't know it felt like a helicopter and you know like it, kind of, <laughs> it, it felt i mean to me it felt like being like on broadway or something yeah but yeah. yeah um it was read as part of the the playmate podcast mm-hmm. um and you know speaking earlier as we were about how um you know theater is so dialogue specific to take a play that was so site specific, yeah, and have it produced with basically just the audio was mm. that very different, or was did it feel like it was sort of the right way to hear it? Well, Mitchell Cushman, who directed Vitals, um, his 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 kind of magical brain came up with this whole site specific concept for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but part of that concept was actually that the audience hear the character the whole time, but not necessarily see her. Mm. So in the original production, audience members had earphones, and um, as they walked around, they had live broadcast from the main character. So they saw her speaking, and then she would disappear into the house, and you would explore without her, but you would hear her mm. talking in your ear. Okay. So actually, we had almost an element of something similar to a mm-hmm. podcast really incorporated into the show. So I think... I mean, he picked up on that auditory nature of it really quickly. Mm. And the show has, you know, it has no stage directions. So it's very, very, very auditory. So mm. I think it makes a lot of sense as a yeah. podcast, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Did, did you listen to it? I did, yeah. yeah. How yeah. was it? Like, uh, listening to it, as the as the author listening to it, how was it? I, I liked it. I listened to it while I was walking around. I think, well, you know, walking to the grocery store and walking back. And, and a cool thing happened where you hear ambulances all the time and you don't notice and then you, you know that kind of thing so mm-hmm. I had a couple of things from the outside world interrupted in a really cool kind mm. of coincidental way um, yeah and it was a bit of just a blast from the past because Catherine who originated the role read it and mm, it was nice, nice. Yeah, yeah it had been a couple of years since I looked at it really mm. so it was cool are you once you're done with a play are you do you feel like you're done you don't touch it anymore or do you some, have you ever gone back and like tinkered with it um, I, uh, I mean, I want to tinker with it, but I'm also, mm-hmm. you know, vitals, I felt done, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it, it was, it was produced and published and then it was this podcast mm-hmm. and we're having a little party for the publication coming up, but nice. it, it feels, yeah, I don't think you're, I mean, you, you abandon it, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's not done cause it's perfect, but it's right. done cause it's time to be done, yes. you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I've had this thing where occasionally I just I can't let it go, so I go back and I revise. Oh, I know because I, I can. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's nothing that has said you're done now. Yeah. Um, if do you have a 
I mean, if you if it's getting if something's getting produced, you have like a it must be done by this time. But if you don't have like that date, do you find that you can just like tinker and tinker and tinker until you're tired of it? Or oh, like if it's not being produced? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think. I'm I'm so not motivated if there's no production. <laughs> honestly, like there's nothing in a drawer. Mm. You know what I mean? There's no like brilliant thing waiting for someone to be interested. Mm. So much of it is about. Well, it's got to be, it's got to get better because people are going to see it, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, that and, and the motivation of the collaborators, right? Mm-hmm. I had, I had, um, Mitchell next to me, you know, reading drafts and this and that and asking questions and, mm-hmm. and, and then we did that again with our show Tomorrow Love, which was even way more writing, like, like hours and hours and hours of writing. And, um, and both of those, I think if we, you know, I think if he hadn't been there, I wouldn't have. <laughs> not only would his really, really, really insightful ideas not have not have made their way in, and his mm. questions not have been answered, but also I just don't know if I would have finished it. I mean, mm. you need someone who's expecting it. Yeah. <laughs> in those cases, I mean, you've had the idea, and have you presented it to say Mitchell, and, and he said yes, we're going to do that, or mm. have you like started? Have you written like a draft and shown it to him, or like what's the process of those productions like? Um, Vitals, I was well on my way mm-hmm. before we started working on it, but he still had so much, so much, um, his kind of dramaturgical eye was so all over it. Tomorrow Love was more collaborative. You know, I wrote, it, it's, you know, it's 15 short plays, Tomorrow mm-hmm. Love, right? So I'd write, I, I can't even remember, I honestly can't remember. I think I wanted to do short plays about, about sexuality because I was doing my degree in sexuality studies and then I did some that were more about tech like technology and and sort of through trial and error I kept writing short plays and he'd be like this one and this one are great and the ones with only two people seemed cool and mm-hmm. and then eventually we ended up with 15 two-person plays 15 minutes to 45 minutes all about broadly you know love sex technology in the future so they all sort of incorporated those ideas somehow Mm. um so that was much more both of us and much more um because it's a big project and it's really more than one play it's 15 so that was much more um sort of bouncing back and forth about what it was you know Mm. yeah yeah Yeah. um the uh, i mean the short play is is one of those i want to say much maligned because it's like Mm. There's so many 10-minute, I see calls for, like, it's a 10-minute play festival. I know. It's like, yeah. And I, I keep wondering, so I keep writing this 10-minute play, and and then you're going to do it, and then we're going to what? Mm. Like, right, like you're going to do, like, this staged reading of it, and then we're going to what with the short <laughs> play? So, yeah. I mean, it's so hard to figure out, like, what you're going to do with a short play. Yeah. Um, but it's good that you, you know, like, found this way to, like combine them into a a production yeah yeah um which might be the i guess the way to to work out that whole i have these short plays problem yeah i've never been to one of these 10 minute play festivals but it's it's a real thing like people seem to really want but 10 minutes is i mean you know the tomorrow love plays are short but they're not none of them are nine minutes you know what i mean i I have so much trouble wrapping my head (laughs) around how i'm supposed to introduce an idea you know, work on the idea yeah. and like have some character development, resolve it in ten minutes. Yeah, which seems like an impossible task. I and I, I love short stories, mm-hmm. 
but not a lot of them are five pages. And like no. ten minutes of dialogue is really five pages, right? Yeah. Like yeah. so yeah, it's kind of a it's a funny thing. Yeah. I don't know. But there's so much like I see so many of those like on the playwriting forums or whatever. Yeah. It's just like ten minute plays, ten minute plays, and I'm like, I have none. <laughs> I, I can't give you a ten minute play. Right, yeah. Um I don't quite know where that comes from. Because I don't know no. in, in what situation, like, when did this whole 10-minute play thing start? Yeah, it's always 10 minutes. It's yeah. never 12 no, minutes. Yeah. Not 15, it's yeah. just 10. Yeah. Um, but they're, they must be fun to go to. Like, I can imagine really enjoying a 10-minute play festival, you know? like I guess you, the advantage with, is sort of like, like Fringe. Is like yeah. You're at, like, that 60-minute show. If it's not, if it's not great... It's not that long. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. If this one's not great, in like nine more minutes, it's going to be a better thing. Yeah, yeah. Or another thing. Yeah. But I don't know. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, is there... How long... I mean, the the Soul Pepper Academy is two years? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and how far into it are you? One year? Uh, no. Uh, maybe a third. Almost okay. a third. Yeah. 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 And aside from the things that you're doing with Soul Pepper, are you working on something? Is there something coming up for you or No. Or, I mean, no. we just we just closed tomorrow love. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, it feels like forever ago just because it was such an intense thing. Mm-hmm. Um but just it closed December 18th. Mm-hmm. So um yeah, and then I'm right into, you know, uh the the academy's like 12 hours a day, right? So it's uh, I mean, when I'm doing my job well, when I'm writing properly, yeah. when I'm writing there, the way it's the most beneficial to me is if I stay at my desk and stay mm. and work at night or work in the morning. Um, uh, you know, they're not slave drivers, but that's that's the way to, to get the most out of it, I think. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so trying to, to really commit to those those projects that you get to do there. Try, you know, they're not just practice. They're, mm-hmm. they're, they're practice in the best sense. They are the... I don't know if this seems kind of pretentious, but they're the practice of it, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, I'm completely, I'm completely in there, and and uh, and and really making that the world, and and uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's kind of it's kind of great, like yeah. to I ha- I'm I'm writing a short musical with um, James Smith, who's a composer in the program, and that's it. That's my whole world. That's my whole day. Yeah. You know. <laughs> And it's great. <laughs> is musical something you ever thought about? Uh, thought about writing before? Yes, <laughs> I love them. And people always look at me like they're surprised because they think playwrights should be above them or something. Mm. Um, no, my, my well, my best friend in the whole in the whole world is Britta Johnson, who's mm-hmm. I think about to become quite quite ridiculously famous. Mm-hmm. Um, and she she wrote a musical called Life After that's that's coming up next year at Canadian Stage and. Mm-hmm. And and I don't know if it's if it's I mean I always did love musicals, um, and I see the silliness of them like I see why people make fun of them but it depends on the musical and it depends how open you're willing to be with them I think but but the I, good ones I oh, definitely man. see what you're saying and I, I know I think when people are thinking about the silliness of the musical mm. I think they're thinking of like the Noel Coward era when it mm. was just like. This scene exists to get to this song. Sure, yeah, like, yeah. It's it's like so like the it's so contrived and the songs are so empty and silly. Yeah, um, that it just seems ridiculous. Yeah, and you know they're not seeing like a Sweeney Todd or a Hamilton or something yeah. like that. Yeah, where it can be this like 
Oh, that's right, Hamilton. Maybe I'm wrong in thinking people think they're silly because it's clearly well, it's, it's clear. back, right? No, no, it's <laughs> like, the funny thing is that that Hamilton was like last year, mm-hmm. and this year the show that the Broadway people are talking about is Dear Evan Hansen, which is a more traditional uh, show. Right. It's more you know dialogue and some songs and that that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's uh, you know, but I mean, Hamilton is still Hamilton, mm. but it's like last year mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um but i think outside of hamilton because people I, I know people who are like i don't do musicals but hamilton um yeah like other stuff trying to convince people of the value and the entertainment value of, of musicals that are not that play can be a challenge sometimes i know they're and they're so i mean what what could be more phenomenal than people using music to express a story. I mean, mm-hmm. it seems so natural to me. It seems as natural as design. It seems, yeah. I mean, I, I love, I love dialogue driven plays, but you know, when they go wrong, I don't know. It, it, they're not, they're, I mean, music is beautiful, mm-hmm. right? They're, it's yeah. so beautiful. And why shouldn't it be beautiful? And yeah, there's a certain, I think in, in some ways, uh, musicals allow us to be like Shakespearean. <laughs> in like the breadth of emotion and things like that in a right, way that sometimes yeah. straight up dialogue doesn't quote unquote allow us mm, anymore mm-hmm. um, and the music can underscore things that that a the, the dialogue just straight up dialogue play can't oh yeah absolutely are you writing lyrics or just the book no it doesn't it's not um, I don't think we have a lot of real songs in it it's mm. more uh it's more like I'm writing a weird play, mm. like a very weird play, and then James is. We're still just working on it, so yeah. we're, we're we're figuring out what kind of musical it is as we mm. go, which is cool. Yeah. Um. But he's done things like take a line of dialogue and find the rhythm of the line of dialogue. Huh. So, I can't remember the example he gave, but if the line is, you know, uh, he wondered if he was a good man. It's like the rhythm is do 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 do. And he's writing music like that, like mm. with that rhythm, mm. which is uh, inspired a bit by uh, London Road, which is this this amazing mm, verbatim musical. Mm-hmm. They did uh, that at Canadian stage a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so I don't know. I think we're still figuring out if there's going to be a lot of lyrics. There might mm. be some, but it's more about, it's more integrated than that. Like mm. we're working more together than that. You nice. Know? Yeah, it's nice. cool. It's really cool. Um and I mean, the 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 the. It sounds like the, you've got this really uh, close working relationship with with the composer mm-hmm. in a way that I think it must be kind of ideal for like working on this sort of thing. I I think a close working relationship is is always the ideal. I mean, my 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 collaborative work with Mitchell Cushman on our immersive shows, mm-hmm. where he's the director, but it's. It's really our show, you know. It's it's it's, you know, Mitchell and Roz presents, you know, like um, yeah, yeah. Unt- until we're in rehearsal, and then there's the actors, the stage manager. I mean, everyone, everyone's yeah. on the team. But in terms of the planning, um, it's it's not my script that I hand over, and then it's his turn. It's our show, mm. and then yeah. um, and I do feel that a mirroring of that, of that excitement and that partnership with James, and that's um, yeah, I think more and more. What I look for, I find that well. I, I know some yeah. people love a big ensemble and they want to devise stuff with 12 people. Mm. I really find like one person's good, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but I think, 
I mean, one of the reasons, I mean, and, and you, one of the mm-hmm. things you mentioned earlier was, like, with theater, there's all the people. Like, you, it's, yeah. like, more collaborative than some other forms of writing. Mm-hmm. So, like, having somebody to work with mm-hmm. is, like, one of the joys of, of, the, of, of creating theater. Yeah. It's not like a screenwriter alone writing it who then gives it to the studio, gives it to a director who makes all their changes that they want and then it's done and that writer is gone. Yeah. It's the writer, the playwright is a little more integrated than mm-hmm. that, which is, which is great. Yeah. I mean, it's all I know really. It's mm-hmm. my only experience, but I, I think that's what keeps, at least I think it keeps me sane, mm-hmm. you know, that there's yeah. another, there's, there's two of us on this boat, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it can be a little, you know, one person can fish the other one out of the water. Or yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Are, are you on social media? A little bit. Yeah. Little I'm bit. not, I'm not super active, but a little bit. Yeah. Um, can I ask you Twitter handle? Uh, sure. It's at small Rosamond. Mm-hmm. And are, do you have a website or anything? Or I don't have a website. I have Facebook Okay. and people can message me. <laughs> if they want say hi. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Um, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for talking with oh, me Oh, thank today. you. It's been delightful.